Hello, saucers. I hope you are soaking up these final weeks of summer. We are here with season two, episode nine, and another great guest. We are on a streak of guests, and they're not done yet. This week, Molly and I got together and thought about how we are trying to become financial gurus. We often have conversations, or we're asked, or just trying to truly figure out how to be more financially savvy. So we thought, who better than Cindy Zhu, chairwoman and founder of Seattle Finance Collective, is here. And Cindy's got all types of tips for us around finance. A little bit around investing, a little bit about how to understand how much to be spending, all about credit, just some great stuff from Cindy. And so tune in and we hope you enjoy it and enjoy the rest of summer. Hi, and welcome to the Sauce Podcast, where you will meet your hosts, Molly McKinstry and me, Liz Hajar. We are two colleagues turned friends who worked together in tech sales for nearly 10 years. Throughout those 10 years, we grew a lot personally and professionally. Today, Molly runs a sales org at a tech startup. She lives in Denver, Colorado with four children. I live in London, and I'm running a sales team in, for Northern Europe of a tech startup as well. Molly and I are different in many ways, but share the same values and drive, and that is how we built a wonderful friendship. While we no longer work together at the same company, we put our heads together and dreamed up the Sauce Podcast. We wanted to have a platform that would build a community where we and others share all their business tips, tricks, and perspectives we or they have learned along the way. So Saucers, tune in each week as Molly and I share business tips and tricks and have fun with us along the way. Hi, Lizzie. Mall, hello. Um, very exciting. Another week, another guest on the sauce. And uh, this week was really special because um, we had my first colleague from High Spot, Our Worlds Collide. We had Cindy Zhu, who is now in tech, but um, you know, we kind of deemed her a financial guru and had her come on the sauce to help with some financial, some fi- financialness, financial knowledge. Yes, Cindy was so wonderful to meet, such a wealth of knowledge. I can't wait for the saucers to hear her interview here. And also how fun to have our first high spot team member join us on the sauce. For anyone who's been around a, a little while now, you know, we've had a lot of guests for um, from folks that we had worked with or met along our journeys at Glassdoor, who have now all gone on new and different adventures. But really fun, Lizzie, to have Cindy and our first high spot team member join. It was it was so, a great conversation. Good, so fun, and I think also what's fun this podcast is well, when you and I talk. A lot of times we're kind of in in, in agreement on things. Um, it's just fun because we both I probably took different things from Cindy's conversation. We're very different. We talk a little bit about this on this uh, on the financial topic. So. Um, we wanted to have Cindy on because she's in tech currently, but she started her career in finance. I think it was JP Morgan. She actually talks about this, but I got to know her at work and she's awesome. But she talked about how she started something called Seattle Finance Collective. And it was to help bring people together to help them understand their financial health, how to build financial wealth, all of that. And so we thought it would be great for her to come on and talk about, hey, you know, here's how you build financial wealth. Here's how you save. But Cindy then kind of just dropped great knowledge that I like it was I was like, you are a financial guru because she's like, no, we need to talk about this and this and and start it out. And it was just, I don't know, it was great. Did you have a favorite mom? 
I did. One of my very favorite topics that she she takes us through is this concept of building credit and how to mm-hmm. think of using credit, which again, you'll hear, I think it's a very interesting and, and still somewhat polarizing conversation. There's some generational differences about how people view credit. And I think people's just financial comfort around using credit versus cash and what are the benefits, what are the risks. I thought that Cindy shared a lot of really interesting insight there. And if you are someone who isn't sure how to think of your own credit or using credit cards, listen, you are going to learn a lot. I I certainly did. Love and, you know, use credit cards responsibly, saucers. We are not here to tell you, listen, and then figure out if you can be responsible, go use them. But it was so cool, Mal, what she said. You know what my favorite was? Because I think about this all the time was financial creep. Um, She talks about that, about your lifestyle creeping in. Lifestyle creep, yes. A little bit around like you start making more money. Therefore, you start buying a little more. And I talk about a hair blowout and Starbucks in it. And I really (laughs) loved how she explained the financial creep because like, I want to understand if if I start making a little more, get a little raise, do I get to go do more? And she talks about that and understanding your burn rate too. I thought was just so cool. And Cindy was just, I love also how Cindy um, lives her life. So saucers, we hope you enjoy. We'd love feedback. Cindy, thank you for being on here and happy wedding to you. This is going to launch right around her wedding. And she talks a little bit about her wedding planning on um, her credit card. how she funds her honeymoon, which very, again, interesting, very interesting, very good tips in there. I think after anyone listens to this episode, you are going to feel pretty motivated to open up a spreadsheet and, and build a budget if you don't already have one. Yep. And she gives a couple different resources too. So tune in yes. and it's good. But saucers on the finance, be bold on learning, maybe not <laughs> bold on spending. Okay. So be bold on learning about the finance world. Be bold, always eat dessert, and enjoy this conversation with Cindy. And you'll learn in here that it is okay to eat dessert, but just don't, you know, you don't need to order Michelin star restaurants all the time, but you can (laughs) order a little extra and spend a little extra cash. So Cindy, thanks a mil. Saucers, take care. Bye, Lizzie. And we have Cindy Zhu joining us today. And Cindy, it's been wonderful meeting you on uh, my my newest journey at High Spot, your journey as well at High Spot. So love that we work together. Um, Cindy is a colleague of mine in the U.S. And her title at High Spot is Director of Partner Revenue. But we wanted to invite Cindy on the podcast to actually not focus so much on High Spot um, work, but more around her work that's kind of her side hustle, her side gig around being a finance and financial guru. And Cindy, it's pretty incredible. Six years ago, when you were at JP Morgan, you started what is now known as the Seattle Finance Collective. It's a nonprofit that you are the chairman and founder of. And um, oftentimes, I, I, oftentimes, I think people actually at work, some of my teammates will ask, Hey Liz, what do I do to start saving money? How do I, I want to buy a house. It just kind of comes up, I think, as you manage people. And, um, I think this is a great topic to talk on, on the sauce for our listeners. So we have a lot of questions all around from, from the basics of spending and from everything from spending, saving, as well as credit. And what do I do if I have so much money? So we'll talk all about that today, Cindy. And I also think a fun piece of this is 
Molly and I, as we talk about, there's some things we have a lot of light, but some things that can be very different. Uh, Molly and I have very different approaches to our finance. So this will be a fun episode for Molly and I to also learn from as we ask some of the questions. So Cindy Zhu, without further ado, it is great to have you here. And let's kick off. Why don't you give us a little bit about how you founded the Seattle Finance Collective, and then we'll get into a few more questions and kick off all about learning more about finance and financial goals for all of us. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I got into finance right out of college. So, you know, Wall Street was pretty appealing. I started my career at JP Morgan um, in New York City. I spent time um. in Hong Kong, in Shanghai, in the offices there. Um, and then I moved out to Seattle where I joined the private banking arm um, and worked with a lot of tech founders, tech companies out here. Loved it. And I decided I wanted to be a part of that. So I joined an early stage fintech company that did AI investing, um, ran business development partnerships there. And then I joined a company called PitchBook, also a local fintech company here, um, where I sold a lot of software to venture capital funds, investment banks, private equity funds, um, corporate development funds, like basically any and anyone that needed data on the private financial markets. Um, and then most recently, I joined High Spot uh, as the director of partnerships. But I started the Seattle Finance Collective because Seattle, unlike New York City, had a really growing finance scene. Um, you mm. don't think of finance when you think Seattle. You think of cloud and rain, <laughs> cloud technology. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So literally and technology. Yes, literally. (laughs) Yeah. So I didn't uh, see any financial groups for young professionals in their career here. And as more tech companies were founded and as more and more people moved to Seattle, there more deals were happening here and more wealth was being built here. Um, so my group started, you know, with just a couple people, and now we're over a hundred representing firms all throughout Seattle. Some of the mm-hmm. most prominent financial institutions here were sponsored by some awesome firms too. So it's been really good to build this ecosystem in Seattle, and really um, cool. Yeah, I love it. Really yeah. neat, Cindy. And thank you for being here. So let's let's jump in and let's help Maul and I and some of the saucers on some um, financial tips. So um, let's start with a little bit of spending and savings. And I don't know, we can talk a little philosophical about it, but more like spending. Are we okay? We start making money. Does that mean I can go to Starbucks every day? Does that mean I can get a blowout for my hair every day? Like when, what does that mean? And how do I regulate and look at my spending? As I'm, am I spending good? Am I spending too much? Let's start with that and then we'll move into savings. How about? Totally. Um, I think that once you start making money or making more of it, um, I call it, I mean, I think it's actually like an actual term. It's called lifestyle creep. Mm. It sounds like kind of like the creepy guy that like follows you, but no, like lifestyle creep as in like your lifestyle slowly creeps up like a little by little. So you might used to just get a latte like once a week from Starbucks, but now you're like, oh, well I make so much more now I can get a latte every day. Right. Yeah. Um, It's like these small changes to your spending behavior that you don't really notice. And it kind of piles on little by little by little, Um, but it all adds up, I think. And what happens is it's really hard to go back 
from a lifestyle that you were at before. It's hard to cut back. It's easy to add on and have it creep up, but it's really hard to not get that latte every single day. It's hard to bring lunch again every single day after you've been going mm-hmm. out every day, right? Um, yeah. Those small things, and they turn into bigger spending things too. So I think that's one thing to like really keep an eye on as mm-hmm. you make more money and as you have more income is like, yeah, you're going to improve your lifestyle, but know that all those small improvements is going to be really hard to not have those things anymore after a while. And um, keeping, you know, an eye on spending is exactly that. So there's a lot of technology out there that you can leverage to keep an eye on spending. I've used Mint. I've used Personal Capital. Um, fantastic apps. They plug straight into your banks, into your credit cards, and it'll tell you every month, you're spending this much, you're making this much, right? Do you have a delta that's positive or are you spending more than mm. you're making? It's like that simple. Are you spending more yeah. than you're making, right? Yeah. Um, if you're spending more than you're making, then yeah, you're never going to build wealth. It's yeah. as simple as that. Exactly. And I think this is like a huge thing that happens. Many of us have our starting job. We are just getting by. So there is no time for the Starbucks latte. You know, there is no time for the for the blowout of the hair. But how do you manage it though? Like how do you know it isn't now now that I'm making 10% more, Liz, that does not mean Starbucks every day and buying for the office every time I go. Like, is there any way that you've ever that we can think about how to know when we take that next step in our in our paycheck, get a larger paycheck of five, 10% or so. We want to probably elevate our, our, our lifestyle a little bit, but how to exactly to your point, do we not do too much and our creep gets too big? The creep gets too big. Yeah. Um, yes. So when I was in sales, for instance, right, there's ways to do this. It's like you blind, what I did was I blindly set aside a percentage, like a, like a percentage of whatever hit my bank. Um, And I did that. I set it up so it was an automatic sweep. It happened every single month, the same day my paycheck hit. Um, And usually, like the way that I lived was I, for salespeople or for a lot of jobs, there's like the base comp and there's variable comp. I lived off of my base only. Any variable amount I set aside immediately. Like any bonus, end of the month, I did amazing, huge quarter, it didn't matter. That was, I would never see that. Like I literally never saw it. But I only thing I saw was what hit my bank account was my base salary. And um, I think that's like a really important like kind of rule that can go for any any industry, really. If you work in in tech and you have bonuses, right, that's one way to think about it. There's um, if you're a waitress, like tips, set it aside, like, you know, whatever it might be, like you can determine what it is. Um, But that way you just don't see it and you don't spend it. And yeah. that's, that's what I had to do, I think. Exactly. Cause I think it's, I think it's so easy to go make more money. I can pay for things and the creep. And like, I think we've even speaking like your burn rate, like you're actually burn rate as a human is you're burning through your cash and you aren't able to ever have any type of, of independent financial independence because you're constantly spending it in the moment and never saving. Exactly. And like, if you see it, that's the other thing. Like when you see that number hit your bank account, like you're psychologically like, oh, I've got this massive cushion. Like I'm good. I can get that extra latte. I can go on that trip. It's fine. Right. Versus like just I immediately I have like a couple bank accounts. I sweep them away. I don't see it. I don't touch it. 
it's like, it's done. It's, it's as good as I never made it essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's, I would be kind of like my advice for people that, you know, know that they're spending more than they should is to just like out of sight, out of mind, you subsist on what you know, and to calculate your burn rate, right? You're literally looking at each month, what am I spending? And there's ways like with the app, people save receipts, um, you can look at your bank accounts, whatever it might be, yeah. your credit cards, you sum them up. Um, but you take, you got to like, kind of be really honest with yourself too. Uh, it's like, it is hard to like sit down and reconcile all that and be like, oh my gosh, like, okay. And some people will go through their credit card statements and highlight the things like, did I need that? No, I didn't. Yeah. Like, and like, it just really like being true to yourself about it. Um, and it's hard to do, I think, but it's an yeah. exercise that I think everyone should just do. I like that. Okay, very good. And you mentioned mint, mint, and something revolutionary. Personal finance. capital. Personal, Personal capital. capital. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, and so let's shift. This. So that's a little bit about spending, but what about mm-hmm. saving? Because you mentioned, and I know, um, at least in the U.S., I did something similarly with your paycheck. A certain chunk could just automatically go into your like if you had a savings account and a main checking account, you could set it up right that a chunk just goes to savings, so you don't see it. But for savings, like how much do we save? There's certain people like me who's like. I've got to save 80%. Like you mentioned the base and the and the variable, but some oh. people's bases and variables are 50%, 50%, you know, change. I'm curious, like, and, you know, mall might have a different opinion on how much goes into savings. So I'm curious how, like walk us through a little bit of like ways to think about best practices for saving. Uh, totally. So I think I would do the analysis as you get your paycheck, right? After, let's say after you do 401k stuff, you know, healthcare, all the stuff that's taken out pre-tax, like it hits your bank account, like that amount, right? And then I would subtract the things that like you literally need to to subsist, to, to live. So rent of any form, right? I think that's important if you have a car payment, um, if you have like any other like things that you have to pay for each month, pet stuff. Like whatever, like like the non-negotiable things, I would subtract that out first. And then whatever you have left, I think that's where you can decide, right? It's like, okay, do I go out to restaurants and just like literally eat the rest of this? Yeah. Or, right, do I put yeah. aside half of it? And I think half is always like a good rule of thumb for me. It's like after you subtract everything out, um, uh. then what, right? Uh, and I think- Again, it requires you to sit down and be really honest with yourself and look at all yeah. the numbers. And it's really hard to do. And I'll keep saying that over and over, right? It's that's like one of the hardest things, but that's the best way to get started is to is to like take a really close look at your spending habits and what you're spending money on and just being really honest with yourself. And but it's hard. Yeah. I love the I think it's just a good rule of thumb all the essentials, that's not Starbucks, that's not the blowout, but all the essentials, <laughs> then the remaining, try to save 50%. I really like that. Yeah, I do too. And it feels very just like easy, kind of digestible, a little bit of a life hack. We talk a lot about life hacks of like, okay, take all the all the essentials. And then when you get to that, what's 50%? Um, just one thought on this too, Cindy, before I actually have another topic I'm going to shift us to. As somebody that I will absolutely admit I savings is not always my strength has not been always been my strength. I have found that actually having someone to help me stay accountable 
has been really useful because some, like just on my own, Liz is very good at being accountable to herself and saying like, I need to do this. And Lizzie, you do it. For me, I know I'm much more inclined to be accountable to other people than myself. And so I just think if you're like me and, and, and saving money isn't something that has been easy or natural for you, whether it's husband, wife, sibling, parent, friend, share your goals and find someone to help you stay accountable. I would, I would recommend Absolutely. That. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Since you'll go through it all, you're saying like, what is this done not allowing? Exactly. So good. Um, okay, so we talked a little bit about spending, spending and savings. Mm-hmm. One topic that I want to get your perspective on is credit. And I think credit is actually something that people have very differing views on. Like I have friends and even family members who feel like they never use their credit card. They never want to have anything on their credit card. They're using cash or their debit card any chance they get. And then on the flip side, it's I only use my credit card. I'm earning points and I'm, you know, building my credit. And and there are people who think that's a good thing. What what's your view and Mm -hmm. how can people think about credit? Absolutely. Um credits Well, first, I'm going to define what it is, right? So one way to describe what credit is, is it's a systematic way of calculating your ability and your worthiness to make good on a financial obligation. Okay. So it's like, how good and reliable are you, your worthiness, your ability to, to pay me back in something, right? Um, but it's a systematic way of doing it. It's literally a score. Yes. There's like a number to tell like, all right, this person's super worthy. If I loan them money, they're going to pay me back. Versus this person, if I give them money, they're probably not going to pay me back, right? So there's literally like a system, a scoring method for each person as to how worthy they are in paying to make good on these financial obligations. Um, yeah. So that's one thing to know, right? That's what credit literally is, is how is, is are you trustworthy enough? And, and it's, it's so extremely- weird. I'm sorry, Cindy, I'm interrupting, but it's so weird to think about like that because I think a lot of us think, oh, credit, so I can put more on my credit card. But when you actually break down the definition, very interesting. Right. It's like literally the definition of what it is. And the, it applies yeah. to all types of credit, right? There's credit cards, there's student loans, there's car loans, there's mortgages, but all of those are based on the fact like, are you going to be able to pay those things back, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we know that, right? Um, and I think- it, it can be done. It's an extremely powerful tool to help you grow your personal wealth, to help grow a business. But with it, there's a lot of responsibility in planning and really good decision making that has to happen to build credit. Um, because you can't, again, like it's your worthiness. If you take out a bunch of money or someone lends you a bunch of money and you don't pay it back, then you're kind of screwed. Like you're really screwing yourself over and your, your credit score is not going to be very good. And so the next person that you want to ask for money from isn't going to give it to you, right? Whatever the amount of money. Um, so to build credit, right, you want to start small, start simple. And there's tons of credit cards um, that are out there that you can take out. But with a credit card, again, there's this responsibility that comes with it. And you need to be able to pay that credit card off. Like if there's one piece of advice on this topic that I give is like you need to pay it off every single month, like no matter what. Like I wouldn't carry a balance on it because 
there's interest rates that are really high if you keep a balance on these credit cards. So you have to, if you know what your spend is each month, what we talked about before, right? You know, each month you're going to spend a thousand dollars. It's always been a thousand dollars, maybe a thousand five hundred. Like it fluctuates a little bit some months. If you know that that's what it is, like do not spend more than that on your credit card. Like it's as simple as that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I agree that like the definition as you outlined it is is just a very good reminder of it is an obligation to be paid back, and it is not free money. It is not limitless money. It is all something that you are going to be accountable to. And to your point on paying it on time, not paying it on time actually makes it more expensive. And that thousand dollars that you spent, depending upon the interest rate, gets a lot more expensive if you're holding that balance and you're letting that interest, you know, to, to, to hit the bill. Um, very, very good feedback and very good advice. So generally, though, if, you, if, if someone were to ask you, Cindy, do you think using a credit card is good or bad? What, what would your answer be to that? Um, I would say it's good because once you build sufficient credit, like it's a really powerful tool, right? Yeah. If you did decided to start a small business or if you needed to buy a house or like a larger purchase where you didn't have the cash, but you were very financially worthy, you know, of receiving that money, right? That that's important. It allows you to make bigger purchases and build your wealth over time too, because then you can use that money elsewhere instead of like paying it all for a house. Right. Um, so I think yes. And like, there's so many like credit card programs out there and this is a whole episode in and of itself on my points and, and how I do all that. But I think I have like 13 or 14 credit cards right now that I cycle through um, for points. Like I, I don't pay when I travel or stay anywhere. And, and because I pay it all off, don't worry. Like I don't yeah. have carry a balance. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I would not recommend people to do that right now, right? If you're just starting out, but there's a lot of cool credit cards out there that have great rewards for travel, for grocery, for transportation, whatever it might be. And just knowing when to use them when and leveraging those. Um, that's a whole topic in and of itself. But uh, so like short answer, yes, I, I do think building credit is extremely powerful. Yeah. I mean, just to hear you say this financial guru, everyone, saucers, Cindy uses 13 to 14 credit cards, cycles through them and basically doesn't pay for, as you said, travel, lodging, et cetera. So if you are afraid of credit, I think we're hearing, don't be afraid of credit as long as you're responsible and accountable to paying it off and paying it off on time. So interesting. Yeah. And I think exactly to your definition of credit, are you a good borrower and do yeah. you pay back on time? And there's sometimes people who I've met who share their salary with me, right? And it's and it's a, it's a starting off salary, but they might have 13 different credit cards, but they pay them off all the time and they're doing a lot of different things, buying homes and all that because they are able to, they've established this ability to borrow credit and, and these financial institutions are like, Liz is a, if it's me, you know, Liz is a strong, she'll pay back the money she can get more money from us because we know she can pay it back. So um, I think you've got to be responsible because some people haven't, but there is a very important thing in credit. And I love how you talk about starting a small business. I do real estate on the side with my siblings and we use credit lines based on the credit that we've established as a business. So I think that there is a lot of great outside credit card and points and travel. And then even a step further, houses, mortgages, small businesses. I think it's a really good point, Cindy. Totally. 
And just being yeah. like hyper disciplined, I think is, is yeah. just so important. Like, yeah. and I can't stress that enough. Like you need to be really disciplined um, when it comes to credit and some, if you know that you're not, then yeah, I do not recommend that you take out credit cards at all or yes. any loans or anything. But if you, Great. you know, do the analysis that we talked about earlier and you look at your spend, you sit down, you're honest with yourself and you're like, all right, like I know how much I'm spending each month. I know what I shouldn't be spending on. Then yeah, go for it. I love that. So responsibility saucers, but it is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, I will, I will connect on just back to the point that I had made around knowing yourself, right? We're talking about savings and knowing that if you are someone that it benefits you by being accountable to someone else or something else, then leverage that here and in your financial goals. And I think of the same thing for a credit card. And if you feel like maybe I'm not personally as disciplined as Cindy is describing, you know, is there someone in your life, whether it be a partner or again, you know, anybody that you trust that you would share financial information with that can help you do that? Um, and I will just say, again, I think the saucers know, like I, I don't win awards for savings or, you know, um, spending as little as I can. I have gotten better and my husband has helped me a lot and my like respect to him and I know the things that matter to him has helped me find that discipline, right? Where without him and without that accountability, I probably wouldn't be as, as disciplined as now I am because it's important to him and therefore it's important to me. Yeah. So if you're listening and feel like, I don't know if I can do this. I, th- I think you can. If I can do it, if I can do it. <laughs> Anyone can do it. Poco, poco. Exactly. Very, and Mal, thank you for sharing your journey. So I think, Cindy, what a lot of, this is a big piece that I get asked about is people go, I have five, I have $5,000 saved. I have $25,000 saved. I have 50,000. I have a hundred thousand. What do, what should I do? Should I get a financial advisor? Should I buy a piece of real estate? Then the next piece is, I have all that saved, but I'm planning to buy a house, buy a car, have a baby, go on a honeymoon and have a wedding. So maybe we can talk through a little bit around saving at different tiers, um, how much to have saved. I think there'd be a lot there um, that Mm -hmm. could be really helpful. Absolutely. I love that question because I think everyone I know is getting married or having a baby or buying a house. Right? Yes. Um, So... Super, super common. I think let's, and I, I'm going to keep going back to what we talked about earlier, but you do need to look at how much you're spending, right? If you have $5,000 saved, great. But if you're spending $5,000 a month, then like, yeah, I wouldn't do anything with that $5,000. I would probably hold on to that because you're, you're going to use it next month, right? Um, if you have $5,000 saved and you're spending $100 a month, okay. That's a different story. We should probably, we could probably do something with that $5,000, right? So I think it really depends on what your burn is. Um, and what I recommend at least, and most, it, this differs from uh, person to person on how much you should save. Um, but if you know what your burn rate is, right? Say that you're burning $1,000 a month. Um, some will say you need six months, right? So $6,000 is what you should save before you do think about doing anything in cash. Yeah. Um, for me, especially like right now in a recession, well, I'm not going to say the R word yet, but like as we approach what could be a recession, 
Um, they typically, since like the fifties, they've lasted for like 10 to 12 months, maybe a little bit longer. I like to think of the worst thing that can happen. Think if you lose your job tomorrow, right. And say that you can't find your job, find another job because we're in a recession suddenly for 12 months. Like, can you live, can you subsist on your savings? Right. If you're burning a thousand dollars a month right now, do you have $12,000 to get you through 12 months? And it, that's like super conservative too. But yeah. like, this is like worst case scenario. And like a lot of us work in tech and, and that is what I like advise is like, yeah, imagine you get laid off tomorrow because of tightening cuts or trimming, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and you're not, everyone's freezing hiring. You're not gonna find a job. Like, are you good? Are you good <laughs> to like live at your burn rate for a year, which is the typical length of a recession before people start hiring or whatever. Fair. And so people might object to this, right? And that's fine. But like, I, I like to think a little bit more conservatively in, in this industry, at least. Um, so that's one thing to think about is like, all right, yeah. save up enough so that you can live if worst thing, if you lose your job tomorrow, if you and your husband lose your jobs tomorrow, yeah, right? Like, uh, and me and my fiance, like talk about this all the time. It's like, all right, cool. We both lost our jobs. What would we do? And like, and we're like, oh, we're fine. <laughs> we don't spend yeah, money on anything. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, then, but then I'm like, oh crap, we're so fine that we have all this extra money. Like, what do we do with that? Like, we should put that to yes. work, right? So um, that's like kind of the next thing I would think about is like, all right, say that you have that critical amount. You're good for 12 months. It's the worst thing happens ever. Um, what do you do with that extra money? And I think about it in kind of four buckets. Like one is the day-to-day living. So that's the the months, right? The day-to-day, like it's yeah. cash. It's like stuff you need cash for groceries, food, gas, like your monthly expenses, the one that we just talked about. The second one, emergency funds um, or anything that's planned, I would say like in the next six months. So yeah. you could put that in like a money market fund, like short duration, but like, like more cash, like equivalents, but like, if you wanted to put your $12,000 of emergency in that, that would make sense too. Cause let's assume you don't need to use it for six months. Um, the third bucket, I would think like five year money, like five years out. If in five years you're thinking about college for your kids, um, you're thinking about getting yeah. married in five years. You want to, what was the other thing? Honeymoon, right? Wedding in five, like whatever. It's a five year money. That money I would not keep in cash. Because it's five years out. That's a long time. A lot of things can happen in five years. Um, So I would put that in like a pretty balanced portfolio. And you could use an app for this. You could use, uh, there's plenty of, there's like Acorns is a great app, Wealthfront, Betterment. um, They're all free. There's like light, light fees on some of them. But you can put it in a really balanced portfolio, 60% equities, 40% bonds. Let it sit there for five years. It'll grow for you. Cool. It will grow. So, and then the final bucket, um, long-term money, like, so 10 plus years, like you're not touching that, like that's your retirement money. So I would think like 401ks, um, anything that like just long, long-term, maybe you want to buy a house in 10 years or like whatever, like that I would put into like something much longer term. I would just do like a growth portfolio, S&P 500 ETFs. Like you want to optimize that asset to just grow for you over 10 years because you're not touching it. So it doesn't matter. Um, But that's how I would think about it. Okay. And if we go, okay, I've got this stash of cash. Maybe it's 10K, 50K that I'm not touching for 10 years. It's my kid's college. I just had a child. It's, you know, I'm going to buy a house in 10 years, whatever. 
at that point, do we get a financial advisor? Because where a lot of people get confused is, mm-hmm. should I get a financial advisor? And I'm not financially savvy at all. Or do I use an app? What do I do with 50 grand? Like I'm a little scared to just put it in an app and let it go. Um, totally. What would you recommend there? Um, I think if you're scared to put it in an app and let it go and you're scared to manage it yourself and you're yeah. willing to pay somebody to do it for that peace of mind, then like absolutely do it. Financial advisors will probably cost about 1% of whatever your assets are. So like you can, you kind of have to think about that. So if you only had 10 grand, that's, oh, sorry, say you had a hundred thousand dollars, you're paying a thousand dollars a year for a financial advisor to like manage that. Right. Um, and so it, it really depends on like, is that some, is that a cost that you're willing to pay? And if yeah. so, then like, absolutely go for it. Okay. Right? Um, Fair. And, and obviously as your assets grow, it's like a percentage of, you know, it, it's around 1%. Like now, like cooler, more tech forward ones will charge like 0.8% of assets under management. So a little bit cheaper, but again, like it depends. It depends on if you think you have the discipline, the responsibility and like the know-how to do it yourself. Um, and if not, right. And yes, I would totally do it. But I think the threshold would be like, I don't know, like hundred K probably in my opinion, a hundred K. And that's when you get a financial advisor for the most part, right? It it would probably make more sense at that point. Cool. I think that's just, thanks for throwing that out there. I do. I know one last question I want to ask you. So let's say I have my emergency fund, my 12 months to live in case, you know, I lose my job tomorrow. I'm good there. I feel padded. I actually feel like I've got a good chunk there. What about though? I'm like, I'm going to buy, I'm going to have a child soon and, and a wedding. And I, I need to carve out, let's call it, just call it 20 grand for that. Okay. What do you suggest people do with that? If I'm not super financial savvy, I could put it in acorn, but should I just sit on it? If I'm going to be getting married and have a kid in the next six to nine months and really just kind of let it sit. Cause I'm going to be spending it pretty soon. Yeah. I think if you're going to be spending it pretty soon, then like, yeah, I would, okay. I would probably just sit on it. I mean, if you wanted to, you could put it into the market, but like, that's still like a little bit higher risk for some people, right? If you're going to be spending it like within six months, I'm like, yeah, I'd probably hold on to it. Okay. If you think you're going to have a child in like five years, as I said, right, that five-year bucket, then like I would okay. probably would put it into something that'll grow for you a little bit more. Super helpful. Okay. Thank you, Cindy. That is great. Um, I do, I, we want to get into lightning round because we're coming up on time. This has been, this has been good. Yes. Um, yeah. I have so many questions for you, like, we, but we won't get into it. Like your thoughts on <laughs> subscription services. I don't love them because I think they can get hidden fees in your, and I don't love them. So I like, you know, like a Netflix, like an Amazon, all that. So I think we need to, we need to, we need you back, Cindy, for more on that. But I think. <laughs> love I think, just throwing that in there. You I don't know. Like I, services. <laughs> well, I'm watching your face in this and I'm loving it. You're like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go into lightning round and let's ask you a few questions, Cindy. Um, and if we have time, I would love a couple last minute tips from you, but let's do a little lightning round and get a few questions and then go from there. So without further ado, lightning round here at the sauce. Small, you want to take it away? I would love to. So you already shared, you are very comfortable and disciplined to use credit cards. Do you have a favorite one? If you could just pick one credit card, what is your fave? Um, I would say the Chase Sapphire because the points are transferable to a lot of good airlines that I use. Um, so yeah, Chase Sapphire. Love it. Can I ask you one now, Cindy, do you have a good story to tell us about using your credit card points? Like, do you have like, I flew here, I rented a car and I got to go to the Bahamas, you know, something cool Mm -hmm. that you could share? Um, I'm paying for my entire honeymoon with points. And where are you going? (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to the south of France for a few days right after the wedding. So 
we just we use all of my points for one of the credit cards that I that I opened up and incredible points. Incredible. <laughs> I love it. Okay, Molly, you go. Yeah. What about um, do you have a favorite podcast or blog for financial help learnings? Any kind of influencers or people you follow? I, one of the apps that I didn't mention is called Elevest, E-L-L-E-V-E-S-T. It's started by Sally Crotchow and she's fantastic. She's a powerhouse of a woman. It's for women. It's a, it's an app, um, that invests for women. And there's a ton of great content in that app, um, specific for women that are trying to get into investing and great podcasts and and content there. Okay. Elevest. Got that. That's good. Cindy, how about we want to give you a chance to have a shameless plug. You started Seattle Finance Collective. Can people register for it? Can people follow you on LinkedIn? What What's a shameless plug that you've got for everybody? Um, well, definitely add me on LinkedIn. That'd be great. Cindy great. Zoo. There's probably only one. I hope so, at least. And we'll um, tag you so they can <laughs> saucers can see it too. Yes. Great. And then, yeah, Seattle Finance Collective. Anyone that's local in Seattle listening that is in the financial services space, finance, just industry in general, it's a really broad term. You can be doing accounting or working on deals um, to, to reach out and to meet some of the other members that we have. It's a, it's a great group of people. Awesome. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. What about just la- last one? Any quick advice on starting a side gig? Yeah. I think I love when people do it because it shows like a piece of their passion that you maybe otherwise wouldn't know. And it's like a big leap of faith. So um, I would recommend just like using your friends and family as sounding boards like always, like find people that you trust, take them with you. Um, and they're going to be your best advisors. You're the people, your mentors in your life. Like they're always your best advisors. I, I think of it as like my personal board of directors, right? And I um, have someone that I'll go to for side business questions, tax questions, marketing questions, but they're all mentors, people in my life that I've met and I trust. And I, it's good to leverage those people when you do that and go off and build your side hustle. I love, love, love it. And congrats, Cindy. So let's round off here. You have a side hustle. You've worked in finance. You've moved to tech. You've, you've, you're getting married soon. Congratulations and paying for your honeymoon on points. What is Cindy Zoo's secret sauce? To find the people that you trust and love and, and go on the journey with them, take them with you. Oh, right. Sweet. They're the, they're the people that will always have your back and who will be your sounding board. So find the people you love and trust, take them all the way. I love, okay. I, I love that. I don't know if from today, what we were going to talk about, that that would be your secret sauce. I'm, who knows what everyone's secret sauce is, but I love that little ending on that. Beautiful, Cindy. Thank you so much for being here and sharing a little bit of your your side gig and it really shows your passion and awesome, awesome knowledge. So thank you so much and um, you're the best. Thank yes, you. Thank, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, Saucers. Hopefully you enjoyed and everyone learned a little bit today. Obviously, ask your questions, share your DMs, and we will make sure, Cindy, we share your details in this episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Sauce Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our personal anecdotes and biz tips and tricks we shared today. 
If you wouldn't mind subscribing and or following the podcast on any platform or leaving a one-line review of the podcast, it helps us out tremendously. Thank you, thank you. Molly and I would also like to state that everything stated on this podcast is our own opinions and it's not shared on the behalf of others or on our employers. Thank you.